Welcome to St. Andrew and to our worship for the last week in the season of Easter before we prepare to celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit next weekend on the day of Pentecost. It's also Memorial Day weekend, and while our celebrations will be a little bit different this year, it is a time for us and all people across the nation to give thanks for those who have given their lives in service to our country. And so it's a great day to know the Lord, and I pray that God will bless you in your worship and in all of your life as we begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us pray. Gracious God, have mercy on us. We confess that we have turned away from you, knowingly and unknowingly. We have wandered away from your resurrection life, we have strayed from your love for all people. Turn us back to you, O God. Give us new hearts and right spirits that we may find what is pleasing to you and dwell in your house forever. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you, and for his sake, God forgives you all your sin. 
It is therefore by the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ that I, his unworthy servant, announce the grace of God to you, and I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God of glory, your Son Jesus Christ suffered for us and ascended to your right hand. Unite us with Christ and each other in suffering and in joy, that all the world may be drawn to your bountiful presence. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the power of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of St. Peter, the fourth and fifth chapters. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you're blessed, because the spirit of glory, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Hi, everyone. Do you have a favorite blanket? When I feel sick, cold, or anxious, I like to wrap a blanket around me. When I have the blanket wrapped around me, I feel better. I feel warm and I feel safe. This is what God's love does for us. The Bible says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When you feel sad, afraid, or lonely, God covers you with his love and helps you to feel safe and warm. You can bring your worries and anxieties to him. He will always be there to listen to you and to remind you of his love. So when you get under the covers tonight, no matter how you've been feeling or what has happened to you, remember that you are covered by God's grace. He is with you and he loves you. He is helping you more than you will ever know. Let's fold our hands, bow our heads, and say a prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for covering us with your love and your grace. Help us to remember that we can bring our worries and our anxieties to you. Thank you for working in us even in the midst of things happening around us. We love you so much. In your name we pray, amen.
morning, or I guess I should say good afternoon, or uh, maybe good evening, depending on where and when you're watching this. I'm so thankful that you're tuning in to uh, virtual worship today, uh, and I wanted to share a thought with you as I get started. Um, over the past couple of weeks, uh, something I realized during this pandemic is that everyone loves a feel-good story. Uh, you know, you can find those stories on a ton of different platforms nowadays, too. Uh, of course, there's always books, and there's movies, and even if you just scroll on social media now, it seems like you can find that feel-good story. You know, uh, the story that makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Uh, maybe it's a story that reminds you of the incredible power of love. Or uh, maybe it's a story that reminds you that there's hope for tomorrow. Or uh, maybe it's just a story that reminds you of a special time in your own life. The feel-good story. And I think I've realized that no one really gets tired of them. It's almost remarkable. You never really get tired of a feel-good story. Uh, for example, every year, uh, just around Christmas time, uh, there is this movie that, that comes on TV. And uh, it's about a woman who is from small, a small town in America, and she is now running her family's bakery. Uh, the bakery has been passed down from generation upon generation, and now she's in charge of it. And she loves baking. Uh, she has a passion for it, and of course it's been in her family for so long, she could never possibly think of leaving it. And at the same time, you kind of find out that she's also been searching for love, or at least hoping to find someone to love, to share her passion of baking and to share a life with. Now, uh, something that's important is uh, this bakery is well-known around the country, especially for their world-famous Christmas cookies. And so uh, a big-time corporation from a large city decides to send an employee in to see if they can convince this woman that she should partner with them so that then their cookies could be distributed even faster, perhaps even globally. So they send in uh, this employee, and when the employee arrives in the small town, uh, the first thing that he realizes is just how connected things are. He's almost dumbfounded at how things work in this small town, and well, he wants to get out of there as soon as he, as quick as he got in there. Uh, and so uh, their first conversation, as you can imagine, it doesn't go too well. Uh, he really just wants to make the business happen. She can't understand uh, why he's trying to be so rude and, and why he has to act like that even though he's from the city. And it's fair to say that their first conversation doesn't really go quite well, much less to consider the fact that somehow they're trying to strike up a business deal. But as time goes on and, and more conversations happen, uh, the two realize that they have more in common than they realized at the beginning. And uh, not to mention, there is some Christmas magic in the air, you might say, uh, because the small town is getting ready for all the holiday festivities, especially as they are now one week away from Christmas. Now, uh, as the movie progresses, uh, you see the chemistry growing between the city employee and the baker, and you can't help but hope that they fall in love. But just as it's happening, just as the moment thinks where one of them is going to say it to the other, the city employee gets a call that he needs to go back to the city, that they have another deal to close, and that he needs to finish this one and move on. And so he's now torn, torn between going back to his life in the city, which he worked so hard to get, and 
this love that he has found in a small town, a place that he could have never expected. Torn between the two, he decides to go back to the city knowing that he has work to be done. Knowing that that was his dream. But when he arrives in the city, he can't help but feel like it's no longer what he wants. It's not even what he desires. Because instead, he feels alone again. And so, meanwhile, the baker is so busy preparing in these last couple of days before Christmas Eve that she just loses track of everything. She's working so hard, putting all her energy into getting everything ready for the big Christmas Eve extravaganza that she loses track of time and almost misses out on the Christmas Eve parade. And so, as she finally gets ready, she rushes out of the bakery, she gets to the main street on the town where everyone is lining the streets and greeting one another, celebrating, singing Christmas carols, and the parade begins. And as the bakery parade float comes down the main street, there is the city employee holding up a sign that says, I love you. Talk about your feel-good story. Now, uh, if you're wondering the name of the movie that I just described, I can't actually tell you because technically I just described the plot of every Hallmark Christmas movie ever made. Uh, And trust me, I've seen a lot of them. Uh, But like I said, you never get tired of a feel-good story. Uh, See, sure, you can change some names around or change the characters, but I promise you, In the Hallmark Christmas movies, the two main characters will fall in love. Uh, And honestly, I know this because, well, when it comes to Hallmark Christmas movies, you just don't get tired of them. (laughs) At least that's the case for my wife, and therefore I end up watching them too. (laughs) But nonetheless, the idea that everyone loves a feel-good story is true. And I think uh, you all agree with that, and part of the reason is because we all want our own feel-good story. Uh, We all want the extreme joy and excitement. We want the abundance of love. It's fair to say that feel-good stories literally do that. They make us feel good, and it's something that we desire and we want. At the same time, of course, it means that we would love to skip over all the bad stuff. Uh, We don't want to deal with the pain or the heartbreak or the sadness. I I imagine that if any of us could skip those moments in our lives, we probably would. But the reality is, that's just not the case. Uh, That's not how it goes. As I'm sure many of you have experienced some sort of pain or heartbreak or, or sadness. And perhaps what's even more daunting about that is the reality that we have to suffer through these things just as they come to us. Uh, At least that's what Peter says in his letter today that you heard from Pastor Mark uh, just a little while ago. Uh, Peter starts off his letter saying this, in chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. So when Peter actually writes this letter, he's writing to uh, the Christians who were living in the Roman Empire. And uh, being a Christian in Rome uh, it wasn't exactly an easy thing. And Peter knew this. Peter knew the awful persecution that Christians were experiencing because he himself lived in Rome. And honestly, uh, being, in Christian, being a Christian in Rome was kind of like a death sentence, both literally and figuratively in some cases. Uh, see, because as you may well know, Greco-Roman culture was full of all kinds of gods. Uh, there were gods for certain families, 
There were gods for certain cities. There were gods for certain households or household items. And uh, not to mention, of course, the pantheon of Greco-Roman gods that existed over all of the culture. And, of course, how could you forget the so-called god-like leader of the people, the Caesar, who at this time was Nero. With all these gods at play in the lives of the people, it's almost impossible to think that there would actually be people who professed the faith of one true God. And you can't even forget to mention the fact that uh, there was this belief, this understanding that for all the people in Rome, all these gods were somehow interconnected, almost in some sort of ecosystem in which everything was related to one another and the gods were all a part of it. Uh, the politics, the economics, the civil affairs, the marital relations, you name it, they assumed that there was this deep interconnection. And by cutting out one god or some gods, you were ruining the whole system. So being a Christian and professing faith in a one true God meant that you were essentially freezing out every part of culture and life in the Roman world. It almost meant that you were practically not even a citizen of that same place. Basically, as Peter says, don't be surprised that people are attacking you. Uh, if you're a Christian, if you're professing faith to the one true God, you're practically walking around with a target on your back. You're freezing everything else out. And if that wasn't bad enough, if it wasn't bad enough to expect the trials, this is also what Peter says to the people. In chapter 5, verse 8, Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. So in just these two verses... In his letter, uh, Peter has told the Christians in Rome, number one, uh, don't be surprised by the fiery trials that you will indeed face. And number two, the devil's always on the prowl. He's looking to devour you. When I think about it, man, am I sure glad that I did not have to be a Christian in Rome. That I can't imagine what they were probably going through. It does not sound like a feel-good story. And honestly, I mean, being a Christian today, it's so much easier. You know, Christians and non-Christians, they get along so well. And uh, Christians and other Christians, they don't fight at all. And if by chance there's some sort of disagreement, of course we still love each other so much. It's just so easy being a Christian. I mean, we all agree on things. It's honestly awesome. It's great. It's, it's your feel-good story, right? Because that's what being a Christian is all about. You know, I imagine that if you were here, you would be giving me the either eye roll or looking at me like, Pastor, you're crazy. So if you're doing that, you're in the right place. Uh, because the truth is, Peter's words for the people in Rome back then are as true today as they were then. Well, I'm sure we all wish being a Christian was as easy as sometimes it sounds, the reality is it's not. At least that hasn't been my experience, and I bet it hasn't been yours either. The reality is that many of us have had to face the fiery trials and suffering in life. Like 
uh, having to be isolated from the loved ones that you care so deeply about. Or uh, maybe having to watch and sit alongside as a loved one suffers in your arms. Or perhaps you yourself are suffering through some sort of fiery trial. And uh, honestly, during these circumstances, given what's going on right now, it feels like the devil is at work more than we have ever expected. That he is luring around, that he is waiting, that he is luring us into all kinds of temptations and sin. And in some ways, we have continuously given in to him. And he continues to try to lure us in. He is always prowling. He's always working to lure us in into sin and temptation because he does not want us to feel good. He doesn't want us to have those desires or to seek out what the feel-good story might have in store for us. But my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I have good news for you. Nothing, no amount of sin, no amount of temptation, nothing can separate you from God. That is a promise that God makes to you. That there is absolutely nothing the devil can do. No sin, no temptation. Nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And I know this because I know what Jesus did for us. And you do too. Jesus faced the fiery temptations in this life. He faced temptations right from the devil. And yet he looked the devil in the eyes, and he went toe-to-toe with him. He faced all the temptations and trials of this life that led to his death on the cross. And in his death, the devil thought that he won, but he didn't. Because Jesus wins. Because in his death, Jesus went into hell, and he defeated death and the grave. And then he rose from the dead, showing that the devil is not in control, but Jesus is. Because it is Jesus who reigns, and Jesus who rises again to sit at the right hand of the Father as he ascends into heaven. Jesus is in control. This is why Peter says in verse 13, Rejoice insofar as you are sharing in Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. The suffering that we face is not meant to be unexpected because Jesus suffered too. But we know that while we may suffer, we also know we will certainly receive the promised glory that waits for us. The suffering that we experience will not prevail because Jesus has already prevailed over it. And he has already shown his glory. And one day he is going to come back and reveal that glory in its fullness. And we all will experience that glory together. That no matter what sin or temptation we might face, the Spirit of God The Holy Spirit dwells within each and every one of us. And as it dwells within us, we are able to face those things knowing that God is with us. That the glory of the Lord will be revealed in its fullness. And that is a day where we will celebrate and shout for joy. However, until that day comes, we will continue to face fiery trials and temptations. And honestly, the devil is a sore loser. See, because he knows he can't defeat Jesus. He lost, and he will never win. And so instead, 
he tries to attack us. He comes after me and you because he plays on our sinful nature. And he thinks that when we fall into sin and temptation, he's won. But he hasn't. Because that's not how the story ends for us. Even when we fall into sin and temptation, God promises to us that nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And so we fight back against the devil because Jesus dwells within us. And today I want to share with you three simple ways that we can continue to fight back against the sin and temptation in our lives. The first one is to repent. The truth is, we are going to fall into sin and temptation. And as it says in Romans, we will all fall short of the glory of God. But when we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. This is God's promise. That when we repent and confess our sins, every single time we receive God's grace. And that gift of grace, it abounds more than any sin in this world. God's grace will always win. And every time we confess, every time we repent, we receive that grace in abundance over and over and over again. Grace wins. And so we repent to receive that grace. And the second thing that you can do is pray. Uh, Peter says it in his letter. He says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. God cares for you, and he wants you to cast those anxieties on him. Just the same way that Jesus took all of our sins, God still calls on us to lay all of those things before him in prayer. Prayer is a means of communicating with God, sharing our hearts, our concerns, all the things that may weigh us down, all the things that may lift us up, everything we have to share with God in prayer. Because as we communicate with God, as we grow in our relationship with God, the Holy Spirit continues to dwell and burn within us, setting passion within us, fighting back against any sin and temptation the devil might throw at us. And so we pray in the midst of any fire or temptation. And the third thing we can do is to count the ways. Uh, what I mean by that is get out a pen and some paper and write down the ways that God has been faithful to you. And don't try to do it all at once, and don't even think that you can honestly write them all down, because the truth is, you can't. We cannot even count the immeasurable ways that God has been faithful to us. But go ahead and start a list, and then keep that list close to you, so that you can look at it, so that you can have it with you, because the devil is always lurking. And what better way to fight temptation, to fight the devil, than to read off, to remember the promises that God has made to you. To count the ways that God has been faithful in your life, and he continues to be faithful. Because his promises last forever. Church, Peter's lesson for today, his letter to the people in Rome, it includes some really harsh words about the realities of suffering and sin and temptation in our lives. And honestly, those are helpful for us to remember. But so are these words. 
In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, he says this, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. Even though we will suffer, our life does not end in suffering, and suffering does not rule. Jesus rules. And so through any fiery trial or through any temptation, we know that Jesus is standing right there alongside us, that he is with us, that he is fighting for us, and nothing can separate us from his great love. And that one day, we will receive that crown of glory. We will experience the fullness of the glory of Jesus together. And I don't know about you, but eternal life with Jesus sounds like the best part of any feel-good story. And guess what? That promise, the promise of eternal life, the promise of glory with Jesus, that promise is yours right now. And your story is his story. The story of everlasting life with the one true God, where Jesus reigns, where joy and love are in abundance, where you will experience that glory one day and be reunited with Jesus forever and ever. Talk about your feel-good story. That is your story each and every day. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O oh God, unite your church in the truth of your gospel, the love of our neighbor, and the call to proclaim your presence to all people, that together we may cast every care on you. Breathe life into your creation and guide your people as we explore the holy mysteries of life and death. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Make your justice known among the nations of the earth. Protect the vulnerable, those who are worn by illness, those for whom death is near, and all who mourn, that they may be sustained by your mercy and love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guard and protect physicians, nurses, medical personnel, and researchers, and all who are engaged in works of mercy on the front lines of this pandemic, that they may be sustained by you and guided by your counsel. Watch over teachers, parents, and children, and bless the milestones of all graduates, that they may live in the assurance that their accomplishments are recognized by you and by those who love them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Sanctify our memories of those who gave their lives in service to our nation, and be the strong and sure defense of those who serve today, that all nations may live together in peace and charity. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That your church may be zealous in proclaiming the gospel in actions and words, 
laboring for the removal of oppression and injustice and taking its full measure in responding to every call to sacrifice and service, even as you lift our spirits with the good and eternal news of our Lord and of his resurrection. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. With bold confidence in your love, almighty God, we place all for whom we pray in your eternal care. Through Christ our Lord, who remembers us in his kingdom and has taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with us all now and forevermore. Amen. Go in peace and serve the Lord.